Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> hey everybody, Froth here. Thought Eater Podcast and Blog. I'm uh, really excited tonight. I'm, I, I couldn't wait. I've been thinking about this for days. Couldn't wait to get recording. Uh, this is going to be the Hump Day Blogorama Show. Uh, whoever you are, I really appreciate you listening. If it's your first time listening to this show, uh, basically, it's just a glorified excuse for me to talk about RPG blogs. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. Like, you know, I say it every time, but it's just unbelievable. Like, there's so much talent and uh, so much cool stuff. It's just week after week, and uh, I, I'm scouring, I'm following. I've added, like, I've got like 600 blogs on my blog roll at this point. I'm looking everywhere and I'm seeing it's so awesome because I'm seeing new blogs pop up I'm seeing old people or you know older bloggers you know get back into their blogs kind of like a car that's been parked in the driveway that hadn't been started forever and they're starting back up and a bunch of exhaust comes out the back but it still runs you know <clears throat> so over at the Thought Eater blog, Frothsoft D&D, frothsoftnd.blogspot.com, you'll get a list of all the links that I talk about in, in this episode. You can go back and check out other episodes and, uh, and see all the links for that. And um, so, lots to talk about. Uh, back from vacation. You know, one of the benefits of, uh, I took my daughter down to Universal Studios and had a great time. Uh, she's a Harry Potter fanatic and man, they, they'll, they do the Harry Potter right down there. I can tell you that, uh, butter beer and magic wands and all that stuff. But, um, you can end up staying, uh, standing in some lines and, uh, so what better thing to do when you're standing in line than get on Feedly or your reader and or flip around and, and read through some blogs. So I was able to catch some of what went on a couple weeks ago and then back to following it this week. So this is like a jumbo episode, as if they weren't bloated and long enough anyway. So, um, But anyway, good to be back. And um, I was going to start with some call-ins that I got, uh, a couple from... Uh, legendary celebrated world renowned often imitated never duplicated osr anchorites and another from goblins henchman uh, goblins henchman dot wordpress dot com <clears throat> great blog if you haven't checked it out it's coincidental that i was already going to mention that blog today and also was going to be giving a shout to uh one of the anchorites is calling in, uh, Mr. Larry Hamilton. So without further ado, let's get to the call-ins. Here we go. Hey, Froth, it's Cody from the No Safe For You podcast. Hey, man, thanks for the shout-out on your last episode. Um, and I have to say, I thoroughly enjoy the uh, Hump Day Blogorama episodes. And you always are calling everyone else one of the, uh, the legends. Well, you, sir, you are the legend. Keep it up. Hi Froth, it's the Golden Sedgman here. It's just a quick message to say that I'm enjoying your various shows on Anchor. I think your um, relaxed tone and upbeat demeanour uh, really makes me feel like I've almost known you forever. So I think that has to be a, a, good, a good sign. I think shows like yours are going to become more important to me going forward with the closing of G plus and just, you know, more power to elbow and all that. Okay, fellow. Well, I hope you're enjoying your holiday and not listening to this <laughs> while you should be relaxing. All right. Cheers, fella. Bye. Hey, Jeremy, this is Larry, the follow me and die. Thanks for the links on your blog and the shout out on your latest podcast. My goodness, you've really crammed in a lot of material there. There's more to go through there than I don't know how you have time to put it all together and then write it up on your blog and then do a podcast. My gosh, dude, excellent work. And we got to get you to Gary Khan. Uh, rooms may be sold out, but there may be somebody that's got a spot they can 
squeeze you in if you don't mind a couch or a hideaway or uh, maybe somebody will have a roommate cancel and look for a roommate. Uh, I was amazed that in uh, three hours, or no, two hours, the hotel sold out. So you're not going to be on site, but there's several hotels and other places in the area that are not too expensive. Uh, some people have gone. So a minute is not very long. So some people have gone to bed and breakfast uh, in nearby towns and so forth or hotels and whatnot. It's a good time. If you can fit it into your schedule, I highly recommend it. It's a blast. You don't need to play official games all the time. That leaves you more time to visit with people, catch up, pick up games, whatnot. Uh, would really be cool to meet more people from online. So if you can make it, let's uh, make get together. Good podcast. Keep it up, man. Thank you all so much. Sincerely for the uh, feedback. It's much appreciated. Uh, you know, I'll, any kind of response. It's kind of like when I talk about the blogs on here. If y'all like any of this stuff and think it's cool, I mean, don't hesitate to go on over the blogs, get in the comment section, even just saying cool post or something like that. It means a lot to people. Um, you know, they're putting this stuff out there. So much appreciated y'all. And a couple of things about what y'all said, uh, goblins henchmen talking about G plus, uh, it's just a few days away now. And, um, I know that I'm sure on next week's episode, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining, I'm feeling that there's going to be a lot of, uh, blog posts out there from uh, folks, not just OSR, all kinds of uh, pe- people in all kinds of different games um, made Google Plus really special. Um, and so I'm sure I'll be talking uh, about that next week. But uh, one of the things, the side effects of it, though, really has been, if there's any positive to come out of it, is uh, lots of people like I said, cranking up the old blogs, more people blogging. And, um, I think it's kind of made people, it's definitely made me, you know, create and do more. Um, I don't know if it's, it's not like it was a wake up call, but it was just kind of a shift of attention and perception kind of shifted you out of maybe the routine, um, a little bit. And, and so I'm seeing lots of people, you know, doing different things and making more stuff and talking and writing. And so, yeah, change happens. And, but, uh, Google plus is always going to be a legendary, uh, legendary thing. Um, and then as far as, uh, what you said, Larry, I really appreciate that. I had no idea that they're going to make all the Gary con, you know, put all that stuff on all the hotel rooms up like the day after the con, I was completely unprepared and heading out of town for vacation. So there was just no way I was going to make it happen. But I can tell you this, if I, if I do make it there, I'm not leaving Lake Geneva without getting a selfie with, with Larry Hamilton. I just go ahead and, you know, seeing the old sand tables. That's nice. Uh, going out to Gygax's house. Cool. But I'd be going for the selfie with Larry Hamilton. So, all right. Big show. Getting pumped up. Okay, here we go. So, I always like to start off talking about maps. You know, maps really are art. Uh, So much, you know, so many of these RPG maps. Everybody's got their different style. There's talent just galore. So, Uh, and there were a few interesting kind of unusual maps uh that were around the blogosphere this week that uh and over last week that i wanted to share and uh a couple from um, trey causey's excellent uh sorcerer's skull blog from the sorcerer's skull uh it's a sorcerer's skull.blogspot.com this is one of my favorite blogs i've followed it for a long time um trey i think has really good taste or bad taste but i like bad taste so there's you know, some pulp, some, you know, kind of weird horror and just kind of pop culture and stuff, uh, all kind of mixed in 
uh, comic stuff all kind of mixed into gaming and it's a really good blog if you've never spent much time over there uh, one of the hydro cooperative um, people put up one cool post called maps of eternia so these were like masters of the universe he-man maps that were posters and uh these are so cool um i put one up on the blog praternia so it's like i guess before um the rise of castle grayskull or something i don't remember you know the lore of he-man or anything but i had castle grayskull i was kind of a big deal back in the day <laughs> but it's such a cool map you should check it out and then uh he also put up one uh, from the Marvel's Micronauts comic line that I thought were really cool. Um, the homeworld of the Micronauts and then the inside of the ship, the Endeavor. These are really cool, not just to take a walk down memory lane, but also uh, the style of them I think would be really inspiring to, to a cartographer. They're very different. And uh, so these were some, you know, kind of yesteryear pop culture sorts of maps uh, that still kind of can be inspiring to gamers. So go over to sorcererskull.blogspot.com, check that out. Also, I was just talking about Goblin's Henchman. He put this one up. Uh, Tuesday Toot, Mad Magazine Map Musings. So Goblin's Henchman, it's singular, goblinshenchman.wordpress.com. I loved Mad Magazine when I was younger. I had a huge stack, and I think my mom threw them away at some point because I, I don't know. Maybe one of the satires had some breasts or something. You know what I mean? I don't know why. She, my mom's changed a lot over the years, but there was a, a time and she kind of fell for the satanic panic a little bit. Not hardcore, but enough. You know what I mean? And now she actually played in a D&D game with me when she was up here visiting my daughter and um, she was like, can I slit the goblin's throat? So she ended up being like bloodthirsty in the game. Uh, but mad magazine always takes me back thinking about that. But, um, this was featuring one of those, uh, the fold ends, you know, from the back page of the in back inside cover page where it'd be one picture and then you fold it up and there's another, some of y'all might be younger generation, not know what the hell Froth is talking about, but you go over to Goblin's Henchman and look at this post or follow the link from uh, frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. And um, it's talking about doing fold-up uh, fold maps, you know, for RPG games. And he's got one, uh, like a video that Aniko Manicha, who I've featured before, back his Patreon, um, did one. And... Um, and so anyway, really cool. If you hadn't thought about those old fold-in maps in a while, uh, go over and check that out. All right, so uh, switching gears a little from the pop culture over at 7deadlydungeons.blogspot.com. Um, this person, let me check their name. Doesn't have their name uh, to credit them, but uh, a cool blog. Another one I've got on the blog roll, 7deadlydungeons.blogspot.com. Put up a post. A quick look at Medieval Fantasy City Generator, my favorite sites for city maps. And so this is a, a generator that anybody can use, uh, the Medieval Fantasy Generator that I'd seen. I've got it bookmarked and, and linked, but I haven't ever played around too much with it. But what's cool is uh, this person kind of takes you step by step and adding the different things, setting the elevation, and uh, building a, uh, a few different like town city maps and stuff. And this is a, for someone like me who has uh, little to no artistic skill. Um, <laughs> and I'm not being hard on myself by saying that. Uh, this is the kind of tool that you know is just you know, made for someone like me or really anyone. You look at the image over on the blog or go over here and look at this. It's really cool uh, what you can do with this thing. So um, that's definitely a toy to play with. Uh, you know, if you're um, looking to create a town or city map, um, go over and play with this thing and uh, check out the blog uh, post over at 7deadlydungeons.blogspot.com about how uh, this person built it. Quick look at a medieval at the medieval fantasy city generator. Lastly, on the map fronts, last uh, 
time a couple weeks ago I mentioned over at uh, False Machine. Uh, Patrick had put up a post called Who Makes Maps? And um, so I was asking for people's contact information and some of their work and stuff to kind of make a list of different uh, RPG cartographers. Really cool project. Great thought by Patrick to do this. And it's just the reason I'm putting this up, I know I mentioned it before, but it keeps growing. So if you haven't looked at it since I mentioned it before or you never listened to me talk before and or for whatever reason you haven't been over there to see it, go over and look at that Who Makes Maps post. Probably one you want to bookmark. And uh, more and more people's work is on there, and there's just uh, tons of talent. Uh, don't take my word for it. Go over to falsemachine.blogspot.com and have a look for yourself. So over the weeks, I've talked about all kinds of you know things you can use in your game, like uh, minis and papercraft stuff, uh, props, and uh, but I haven't spent any real time that I can remember at least talking about terrain and uh, some of the incredible things that uh, people can do and you know really bring you know bring the game to life in a different way and uh, came across this site Matakishi's Tea House it's uh, m a t a k i s h i dot net matakishi dot net and um, there's this whole section called making things right and uh, this person is true lordy good at making uh, terrain and stuff for minis. A lot of the stuff is about painting miniatures and playing different games, but there's this whole section that I linked called Making Things, and it's got um, Tarzan stuff, Alien Worlds, um, Cyberpunk, Fantasy, Jungles, uh, World War II stuff. I mean, it's on and on and on. And the cool thing about it is you click on some of it, and it's not just pictures. It takes you step by step on how they built this. Like one thing that was really cool is doing like tall grass for, you know, war games or miniature games. And how they built it was taking the bristles off of uh, off of a broom and, and kind of mounting it on this like cork boards and, and made it into this grass. And then I put the, the picture I put up on the blog from this is one like this temple set in like uh with uh conan and uh hyboria and it's just so this is one where it's not just images it, there's a little how to uh to it as well and it's really outside of the box creativity uh really awesome so um you know when you see stuff like this uh it, it kind of brings out the kid in you you know it reminds me of you know you see something like this and you want to break out the action figures or something you know um it's just uh, just something just deep, deep inside you, deep memories, you know, <clears throat> get stirred by looking at it. <clears throat> and anyway, incredible talent, uh, step-by-steps on how they built all this stuff. I highly recommend just going over and gazing in awe at some of the, uh, the wildly varied and uh, creative uh, terrain sets that this person has made. Also on the terrain front, over at uh, Rob Conley's Bat in the Attic blog, batintheattic.blogspot.com, they put up an image um, uh, of someone named Douglas Waltman, what they had uh, um, talking about bringing this terrain set they had built to GaryCon. But what they did is they built the entire map of the uh, Search for the Unknown B1 module out. <laughs> and it's this huge you know, built to scale, you know, where you could use minis in it thing. And that's a module that I love. I've, I've, I was thinking about, I know I've run it twice. I think I ran it three times, but I'm going to end up running it a fourth time because now I've got like the fifth edition conversion. And that was a big expensive book. And that's kind of one where it's like, ah, if I bought that book, I'm going to have to run it at some point. But I really love that module because you stock it yourself, but it's still got really interesting rooms, all these iconic, uh, rooms and <clears throat> this is a really cool picture i'd love to see more pictures of it but um if you've played or run search for the unknown before <clears throat> excuse me uh you might enjoy seeing what somebody did with it you know uh, building out a terrain set for this it's uh it's pretty pretty darn cool uh, a bunch of good reviews uh were spotted 
over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on them because they kind of speak for themselves. But uh, one was uh, on uh, over at themetalearth.blogspot.com. Themetalearth.blogspot.com. They did a review of the uh, the new, well, it's the older game, but the 30th anniversary set of the uh, D6 Star Wars West End Games uh, RPG that came out recently. Uh, which is something I would have backed, but, but I have these books. But... Um, if, if you, you know, these can be pretty expensive on the secondary market. So, uh, this looks like a really good set with like a slip case. And, um, it's a great game. I actually wanted to give a shout out to uh jazz Gordon who is working on a game called feral. And, um, I was having issues when I was running star Wars cause there's parts that I love. I mean, it's so easy to set up. It's easy to, create stuff for it's really smooth game design but i didn't like the exact way that the kind of death spiral works it's kind of and i guess western games didn't because they tweaked it with every edition kind of but um jazz uh has obviously played a lot of star wars because he has like this house rule document that he had uh, put together uh that really worked for me as far as um you know making me like the game even more, but, um, this is a really good read. If you want to see what that looks like, um, I'll go over and check that out over at, uh, tribality, uh, tribality.com. There's a real brief, it's almost not even a review. It's just kind of like a brief overview of the, uh, the Modifius Conan, um, adventures in an age undreamed of that. I thought I'd just put up if you, Wherever you're curious about that, it's got just a little bit of information about it. Probably just enough to make you want to buy it or skip it. So you can go check that out. A cool blog called These Old Games, theseoldgames.com. <clears throat> this person, uh, Phil Viveretto, put up a review of uh, Crash on Volturnus, which is kind of the starter adventure in the uh, Alpha Dawn Star Frontiers set. And, uh, it was nice to see like a little retrospective on, on that, um, uh, star frontiers is something that keeps coming up. So I, I'll eventually get to it. But, um, if you played star frontiers or you kind of want to see a little bit of a retro review, kind of look back on it. Um, it's also got some links to uh, drive through cause, uh, those, uh, books, uh, the star frontier stuff is now up for sale again. So you can check that out. And the last thing, the big one, over at Back to the Keep, back to the keep .blogspot.com. This is Robert Morris's blog. Uh, he goes into a big unboxing of the Fantasy Trip, and I just got my box this week too. Ooh, baby. But see, I just went in for the legacy. Robert here went in for the I want it all. And so I was starting to get jealous about the I want it all. And then I thought about it like the legacy edition alone is so huge. I mean, I don't even know if I'm ever going to uh, get to even, you know, I don't know. It's, it's plenty of game, put it that way. But if you want to, if you, if you missed out on this and you want to really feel sad or really get jealous or just get a look at what this looks like, because I know the legacy edition piece at least will be, uh, on retail sale if, if it isn't already. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, they did a great, great job with this, y'all. It is unbelievably well put together. Um, and this was one of those Kickstarters that really went really well, too. Um, if anything, they gave you too much information. Like, I got too many notifications. Whereas with some of these Kickstarters, you know, you don't hear from them. I don't even want to get into some. Some of the ones I've backed right now, what's going on with them. But this was a good one. So if you want to look at, you're going to be, I guarantee you, you're going to be seeing a lot of people talking about Fantasy Trip over the next uh, weeks and months as people get get into this and get playing. Um, so if you want to see really nice pictures, a, a complete unboxing of the I Want It All, all down to the little details, uh, back to the keep.blogspot.com is where you want to be. So Scott Malthouse, a.k.a. the Trollish Delver, is someone I've followed on social media for a while now. Um, Scott's blog is trollishdelver.com. Put up a post called How to Get Started with Tunnels and Trolls. 
Tunnels with and Trolls is a very interesting game to me for a number of reasons. Uh, I love that Ken St. Andre basically read Dungeons and Dragons, did not like a lot of it, and then just immediately went and made his own game. <laughs> it's, it's totally uh, that and Arduin uh, are both like the kind of precursor and spirit to OSR and DIY gaming. Um, the other thing about it is if you've never taken a look at Tunnels and Trolls, you might have these assumptions that it's just like D&D when it is very mechanically feels very, very different. It's, it's um, to me at least, uh, it's, it's completely different in a way that really surprised me when I first started reading it because I was expecting it to just be a little tweaks or whatever, when it really is, um, just, you know, just a completely different way of looking at it. And it's very interesting. And it's also still really well supported. And Scott does a lot of, um, support for tunnels and trolls. And then you'll see stuff still popping up. Other people doing it on uh, drive through and everything. It's a really well loved game. Part of it is, um, they did a great job over the years with solo supplements to where you can just, you know, kind of play through it yourself while you're, you know, with one of the solo game books. So it's something you can maybe take on an airplane or, you know, on a trip or something and, and have something to do. Um, uh, so anyway, this post, how to get started with tunnels and trolls is a really well written, uh, introduction talks about what products to start with, what edition, a little bit of how it works. I thought it was an excellent, um, kind of primer for people. So if you've ever wondered about tunnels and trolls or, um, you know, had any kind of questions about it, but wouldn't know where to start, um, I would head over to trollishdelver.com. Check out Scott's post on how to get started with Tunnels and Trolls. And also just check out Scott's blog in general. Um, Scott's designed um, several games, Quill, Romance of the Perilous Land, English Eerie, and others. And um, uh, very kind of unique style. Um, and uh, so I, don't just stop at this post. You know, Check out a little bit more of it and see what you think. So JB over at the bxblackrazor.blogspot.com, bxblackrazor.blogspot.com has been doing a series on Karamikos from the uh, old Mastara setting. Uh, Karamikos starting uh, with the, the known world um, kind of sketches of a campaign setting from the ex old expert book um, and kind of evolving into... Uh, through the Isle of Dread module into uh, eventually all the uh, Gazetteer um, supplements from back in the day. And so I thought this was a really good post because it's got uh, links to like a podcast about um, Karamikos, a video review, um, other links. And like I said, uh, there, it's like a series. There's two posts now. And then I saw JB make reference to a, a at least a third post coming at some point. So if you want to revisit the Grand Duchy uh, of Karamikos, you should go over to bxblackrazor.blogspot.com, check that out. While I was on the subject of Mistara, just in case anybody out there was unaware of the awesome threshold uh, zine that folks are putting together for it, it's up to 22 issues now at this point, which is just outstanding. And these are not, you know, 10-page deals. They're big, you know, substantial, um, well put together, uh, free PDFs. So that's at pandius, P-A-N-D-I-U-S.com forward slash T-H-R-S underscore mag dot H-T-M-L. You don't have to remember that. Just go over to the Thought Eater blog and you get the link to all those magazines. So if you've been missing Mastara and wanting to go back uh, to that old basic D&D um, stuff, uh, B-E-C-M-I or any of that, you can get over to uh, BX Black Razor and then the, uh, the Pandia stuff. Check it out. Y'all still with me? Y'all all right? We got a long way to go. Just checking on y'all. I can stop. Nah, I'm kidding. I'm not going to stop. Not about to stop. All right. I love Greyhawk. I've mentioned that before. 
some cool Greyhawk stuff over the last couple of weeks. I've talked about Grow Dog's blog before, Grow Dog, G-R-O-D-O-G.blogspot.com. Um, put up an awesome post. This is kind of tying back into GaryCon a little bit, celebrating Greyhawk, a fandom renaissance, GaryCon 11 seminar. And so what's cool about this post, it goes into detail about the Greyhawk seminar and stuff that was uh, done at, at GaryCon, but it's filled with links, filled filled with links so all kinds of stuff from all the people that talked anna meyer stuff uh, alan grow aka grow dog himself um on and on and on all kinds of i mean if you're into Greyhawk, go and check this out you spend hours on this this will just be like heaven to you um including video content stuff uh, dm shane who does the Greyhawk Twitch channel, uh, videos of, of, of games from over there, um, on and on and on. This is a, if you're into Greyhawk, this will be heaven to you. So check it out over at growdog.blogspot.com, celebrating Greyhawk, a fandom renaissance. Also mentions the Earth Journal 28. Now I say Earth only because I know Gygax said it's kind of like Curly from Three Stooges, Oith, Oith Journal. Feel a little silly saying that. Maybe I should just say Oith, but I say Earth, but anyway. The Earth Journal, or Oith Journal, has been, uh, it was kind of on a hiatus. I mean, the first one came out in like 95, and then they've come out um, over the years, uh, and then kind of slowed down. There were some gaps. So from not, it's run from 95 till now, which is pretty damn incredible. Uh, but just came out with a new one, number 28 for Gary Khan, and it's, uh, available for free. It's mentioned on, um, grow dogs blog post, but then I also put up the, uh, the link to where if, if you've never download, downloaded any of the earth journals, you can download them all. Um, so put that link up as well. So, Good stuff if you're into Greyhawk this week. Greyhawk is alive and well. Um, maybe, you know, it, uh, it never died. But uh, now, given the internet and networking and Twitch and all the stuff that's going on, it is really uh, vibrant right now. There's great stuff going on, um, including this new Oith journal. So, um, yeah, if you're into Greyhawk, that's for you. Ann Hunter is a really talented uh, writer. She does the DIY and dragons.blogspot.com blog. Uh, very clear writing, expresses herself very well, kind of like the opposite of froth, right? <laughs> so, um, I always check out what she's got to say on any you know number of topics, and she put out a real doozy of a post this week. Who is the Glogosphere? You know, <clears throat> sometimes you just feel a little old or something. Like I see all these bloggers, upstarts, whippersnappers. Anyway, I say that probably my age, half of them. But <laughs> but anyway, there, there's probably nothing right now in the OSR that gets as much, um, you know, just enthusiastic support as these folks back in this uh, glog game. And, um, I have downloaded Glog from Arnold K's Goblin Punch site, but I have to confess that I've never even read it. And I know that sounds terrible, but I have a billion, a billion and a half things that I've never read. So downloaded it, haven't seen it, but I see people talking about Glog all the time, hacking it and coming up with stuff, but I never know what the heck they're talking about enter Ann hunter who has put together this kind of like the glog bible is what it reads like because it's this detailed overview that where now i can understand it and get an idea of what it all is this overview of what glog is all the different you know main bloggers that support it the basic ideas of it. And it's got all these links to all these different blogs, many of which I was, I was following. 
um, and some of which now I can, you know, add to the blog roll. But if you like Glog and you're listening to this, you've probably already seen this site because it's got like 50-something comments on it already. I'm not surprised because it is extremely well put together and well written. Uh, kudos to Anne on this one. So if you're like me and you're like, what are the kids talking about? What the hell is Glog? Um, you can go over to diyandragons.blogspot.com and you know educate yourself on on the the new hotness that's going around with this uh with this newfangled glog there are a number of interesting variants and cool ideas and hacks and twists and turns and everything that I saw over the last couple of weeks and uh um thought I'd talk about a few of them that uh, y'all might find interesting one is over at uh, James Young's blog this is 10 foot polemic dot blogspot.com put up a really cool post called titan scale mass combat and this is um well it's where you've got a couple of armies fighting as well as some titans involved which are like uh, the size of mountains or gigantic uh, like godzilla types or uh, this sort of thing and it's kind of like reads like a war game like a um a simplified not simplified, but easy to understand, basic way of running um, this kind of combat. And if you want to have something, whew, if you want to have something like a big time finish to your campaign, I mean, one of the things James Young, uh, James Young talks about in this is the ending of his campaign. Let me read this to you. Some of the most metal stuff that's ever happened in the campaign including a pc becoming a titan scale monster and throwing an apocalypse dragon at the moon so uh if you want to turbocharge your game and get in some um you know mass combat along with some titans fighting alongside you um you want to go over and check out this titan scale mass combat it's definitely original and really cool and um you know, definitely worth a look. It sounds like James's uh, game is pretty damn cool. Um, also, I didn't even realize this. I'm giving another shout to Goblin's Henchman. You're rocking it. Goblinshenchman.wordpress.com, an initiative system based on Uno. This is something my daughter would love. Uh, but came up with this whole like kind of system where. Uh, you can have a method of uh, generating initiative and stuff with uh, kind of using Uno cards in, in another way. I've talked about card tricks before, people doing stuff with different cards. So this is cool if you want to check out a little kind of Uno hack that you can add into your game. Another blog I've mentioned before, Damon Games, D-A-I-M-O-N-Games.blogspot.com. Um it's got a two-parter on skills, like using skills in OSR games. One of the reasons I linked to uh, link to this site is because uh, this person does a really good job of putting together a post because they'll have links to discussions elsewhere. So both of these posts, there's a part one and a part two, link to other folks' blogs talking about skills. So you kind of get a you know over these two. It's uh, David. Uh, Pinyondoli, I think is Pinyondoli. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Um, uh, his blog. Um, anyway, over the course of the two posts, there's like 10 links to other related blog posts. So if you're thinking about how you want to incorporate skills in your game, or if you hate skills, but are willing to look at some other ideas that maybe you won't hate, or you're hacking it, or you're wanting to see what other people are talking about. Uh, these are, a couple of outstanding blog posts um, with uh, a lot of great reference work there. So if you want to check that out, uh, you're probably not going to find uh, another couple of posts on skills that are put together as well as that. <laughs> Callie. Oh, am I getting delirious? Hang on, frauds. You can do it. All right. Finally, on the variant front, over at Eldritch Fields, Eldritch fields.blogspot.com 
You know, some people hate level drain. I just use it as written. Uh, you know, it's part of it. It's part of what makes undead scary, you know. Otherwise, cleric just turns them or they're just like another whatever, orc or something. I mean, you know, part of what makes the undead scary is the fact that they hit you. They might take away a hard-earned level, you know. And uh, does it suck? Hell yeah, it sucks. That's why you got to be careful and kill them first or run like hell or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it does suck. It, it absolutely does. Y'all might disagree with me on that. It'd be funny if all my call-ins were like, God, you're so wrong on level drain. But <sighs> I digress. There's a post variations on vampiric drain over at eldritchfields.blogspot.com. And these are some ideas on modeling draining attacks in old school games. So it's got different attribute drain, advanced psychic vampirism, draining spellcasters, clerics, non-mechanic based draining, like draining memories and draining capabilities, parasitism, withering and weakening, weakening, aging, uh, really, really well thought out and cool variations here that don't feel like you're really, uh, you know, doesn't feel like you're pulling punches to use them. They're really creative and neat. So they're just cool variants. This is Tomas Kisbali's blog, uh, eldritchfields.blogspot.com. So that's one to get over and check out. Uh, and I, yeah, I think that's what I got for y'all on the variant front this, this week. Welcome to the world of witchcraft, to the world of magic. Magic. The occult. The macabre. <clears throat> Sorry. Ooh, shake out of that. Yeah, so, um, talked before about uh, different stuff that I'll find around on blogs that's uh, not specific to RPGs, but can be used as inspiration. And, uh, one blog I really like monstermagazineworld.blogspot.com uh, lots of cool stuff over there um, you can check out you, you probably know just listening to the title monstermagazineworld.blogspot.com if it's going to be for you or not but um, you know using the occult or occult themes in your, your game uh, it's, it can be really cool depending on you know what kind of game you're running certainly if you're running something set in the real world a historical game or alternative uh, alt history game uh, these themes and ideas or even uh, you, know, you know people from history as NPCs or antagonists or protagonists even uh, can all be really cool and um, but at the same time you don't exactly want to delve too deeply into the occult uh, necessarily certainly not on your work computer right so um anyway they put up a, some scans of this uh book uh history of the occult and it's really it's kind of like just deep enough you know to be helpful for just to get some research because like you know I don't always want to get too deep into research on something. I kind of want to get overviews, concepts, some ideas, and then I can take that into my game and incorporate it in and twist it the way I want it, you know? So there's probably some listeners out there like, oh, froth, that's a joke. That's not the real occult. Well, hey, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I believe you, you know? This is maybe just like one step deeper than like those old Time Life books, you know what I mean? Like from the 80s. Uh, God, I wanted those so bad. That bringing up my mom again, she definitely wouldn't let me wouldn't let me get those. But since then, I've I've found some of them at thrift stores over the years, you know. But but anyway, if you're wanting to, you know, put some uh, Rosicrucianism or Knights Templar or Aleister Crowley or John D and uh, or you know use some some uh, you know tropes like a seance or you know voodoo and all this kind of stuff. Uh, th these are really well done scans, really clear and easy to read. So I came across it over the um, uh, over my vacation. I was like, hey, you know what? This is good inspiration stuff for certain games. If you're wanting to put some occult ideas in there, 
Um, this stuff's put together real easy, simple to simple to read and digest. So it could be a good toolbox. Bookmark this if you're running one of those kind of games and want to use it. Check it out, but uh, don't delve too deep. This isn't really a controversial show at all. Uh, it's not designed to be. It's a celebration of blogs and stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes there are deep conversations on blogs that happen that spur some thought. And, um, you know, I think probably the the deepest thing I've talked about on this show is, like, whether to call something an OSR game or a or a, tab a tabletop adventure game, you know, wow, what a controversy, right? <laughs> but uh, there were a few posts and uh, a podcast all kind of coinciding over the last couple weeks that all kind of came together in my mind as all being kind of related that I thought I'd share. A couple of posts were Patrick Stewart at the False Machine blog, falsemachine.blogspot.com, talking about community. And um, you know, one thing when you when you read these, and I, I do recommend you read them both. Um, you know, even when, even in at his most melancholy or kind of seeming like an outsider, as some of this stuff is, uh, he's such a good writer that it's a uh, it's, um, uh, it's, uh, that's one thing that popped in my mind when reading it, but, you know, he's talking about not feeling like a part of a community and they deleted G plus when they shut down notifications is can't get into Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, you know, and just kind of feels old and out of place and, uh, like not being part of a community, right? Which might sound ironic given Patrick's one of the most celebrated writers in the OSR, uh, award-winning, just had a hit Kickstarter. Um, Patrick's blog is definitely one of the most popular in all of the, uh, certainly OSR blogosphere. Uh, and, uh, but anyway, um, there were some really interesting things that, uh, Patrick posted here like one was a uh, thing about communities is that they repeat again and again and again that they're open to everyone it's really important to, that they be open to everyone and that everyone feels safe but in effect the views gestures behaviors and usually politics for getting in and staying in are while often intuitive and unstated really effing precise so these things which are for everyone are actually prefect filters catching a really specific brand of people and then goes on to talk about the interaction between groups and capital. Uh, sometimes it seems like human groups are these schools of little fish that like to hang out and that capital is a big shark hunting them. And if too many, too many of them hang out in too big a school, they're going to get capitalized. So hold that thought. The next post is over at goblinstomper.blogspot.com. This is a post I've been thinking about since I read it, called The Magic of Exclusion. And, um, let's see if this person's name is on here. Howard uh, Bailiff, Belief, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Followed them on social media for a while, uh, the Goblin Stomper blog. And it's this story about how Howard basically hooked up with somebody on, like, a meetup group to, to join, um, to join their face-to-face -face RPG game, right? And the person sends Howard a bunch of questions about their skill level experience and blah, 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 blah. And it starts to get deeper and deeper and deeper, right? This almost sounds like Catfish or something, you know, uh, or a horror movie. In the end, they request a meeting with Howard. So to go and meet at this local bar for a chat. So... Okay, so Howard goes and meets with the person and has a beer with them and has this long kind of conversation with them and, you know, feels like it went well. And then a few days after the meeting, the, the person says, you know, that they don't think they'll fit in with, the, you know, Howard will fit in with the group. 
And so I have to give Howard credit for the way he handles it. Um, you know, he says that this person's perception of the meeting could have been different from mine. Exclusion is often bandied about these days. It's a bad thing. Sure, it can feel bad to have someone tell you you're not welcome to join their fun, but as an adult, I've learned to respect the right and others as much as I expect others to respect my right to exclude them, right? So, mature way of handling, which to me, you know, that's good for Howard, but I, I honestly, I, if I had gone through all that, I'd be like, what the hell, you know? Because for me, I, I don't talk too much about my personal life, but I, I, I work a lot with employers in employment and, um, you know, a lot of people can interview great, but two weeks later, you know, they're a disaster hire. And, um, you know, you can't set the bar too. I mean, the what's the biggest problem with players usually in your games is people that flake out and don't show up. And you've got somebody that's, you know, answered all your questions, gone to actually meet you, have a beer and, and everything. You'd think that, uh, you know, unless they said something completely out of line, uh, you might at least, you know, give them a chance. You know, you're not going to know how someone's going to fit in until they're actually, you know, playing with you. That, at least that's kind of what I was thinking about. But a lot of people in the comments kind of disagree with me. And I guess a lot of people have been burnt and having bad players and everything. But anyway, I was just thinking it just came up again like this exclusion and that kind of theme, right? And so the third link in this kind of grouping was uh, Larry Hamilton over at the follow me and die podcast did a did a uh, podcast on imposter syndrome. And uh, now I think that Larry, I could say great minds think alike, but I really think it's more like Larry's like actually casting real spells, not just D and D because it's the second time it's happened where he's, I had an idea you know, I did a podcast that was similar to his, or at least like a similar topic, but we came to it in a different way. And then I was going to do like a five minute Friday on imposter syndrome because I just seen people talking about it a little bit. And then when I got up that Friday, Larry had done one on the previous night. So I think he's putting out something in the ether, you know, uh, sending me mind messages but anyway um larry is extremely eloquent i don't know if y'all listened to his podcast before if not i i would i would listen to it very thoughtful and well put together and his episode on him, imposter syndrome i thought was was really well done uh just the right amount of personal and honesty and to get you thinking and i thought it was really like i said a, a great lesson <clears throat> And, you know, if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, it's basically the idea that you don't feel like you're deserving of success that you have. But also in the RPG community, right, back to community, um, there are people that just feel like imposters in general that have no success. They just don't feel like they belong. They don't feel like they're a part of it, which kind of ties into the exclusion and, and everything. So this all kind of, made me think and I kind of had some things I wanted to say about it and I haven't tried to prepare prepare any of this to any extent because I feel like if you do that it doesn't come across as real and that's uh, part of what I want to say but the RPG community sometimes reminds me a lot of the music community when I was growing up I played in bands from when I was like 14 um, all through even recently, but haven't really tried to do anything with it for you know, a decade or more. Um, but played concerts and shows and everything all around Atlanta and Athens, Georgia, all through my life and was part of, you know, the different music scenes and everything. And, you know, there's a lot of parallels that I see with the RPG scene now, you know, back when I started, playing music it was kind of pre-internet and uh, you didn't have all this recording equipment and stuff where you could do stuff on your own so everybody was really trying to get signed right everybody was that was the dream you know to make money doing something you love right sound familiar seeing any parallels 
Um, and there was a community, right? People would get along, but at the end of the day, too, there was competition, you know? So you're in a community with people that you are, in some sense, on some level, at least some people in the community, are in essence competing with each other. You know, there's only so many of the hours of the day to listen to a podcast or so much money to buy an adventure or read a blog or buy a dice bag, whatever, right? And, um, you know, sometimes you see a little bit of, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the old Morrissey song, we hate it when our friends become successful, right? Also, on the whole imposter syndrome front, or just feeling like an imposter, I remember hearing the Stone Roses debut album when it came out and just being like, looking at my drums and being like, well, oh well, might as well give up, right? Or listening to old uh, Peter Gabriel era Genesis, listening to Phil Collins playing and just knowing that I practiced my, my whole life and not even maybe be able to understand some of the time signatures, right? But then you hear Ramones or the Cramps and you realize that uh, technical skill isn't everything. What it really comes down to is your own unique personal style, your own authentic, real, personal uniqueness and style uh, is what ends up mattering. And in my days playing music, I saw hundreds, if not thousands, of great bands that never made a dime, that no one ever gave a damn about. And plenty of bands that I did not enjoy end up succeeding. So your talent is not a guarantee to, for success. Um, the RPG scene community, now that it's at the point we have the internet, we have all the capabilities of everybody self-producing, self-publishing and everything. On one hand, it's incredible. It's great. It's why I can do a podcast. It's why I can do a blog. It's how I meet people. I'm not saying, and I hope I don't sound like I'm trying to sound above it or anything. I love creating. I'd love to make some money on it. I love advertising what I do and trying to get some clicks. I'm right in there with it. Um, but um, when it's so saturated as it is, right, and when uh, talent and skill is no guarantee that you can be successful at it, um, it pushes people to uh, shamelessly self-promote, it makes some people that are kind of more popular, right? Like the ape that's got the most bananas or whatever can, you know, in effect sometimes be like a kingmaker, you know? So certain people seem, you might feel like they've got an easier path to something than you. And you end up, since you're in the community with other people, you're constantly comparing your own stuff to what other people are doing. And in the meantime, like Patrick mentioned, you've got that capital chasing you around, that money influence sneaking into everything. I don't know if I'm doing a good job explaining this so far. I will say this. I don't expect, I'm not naive enough to think that anybody's going to, you know, that froth, some random guy named Froth on the internet is going to make them feel any better or any worse. These are just my thoughts that all this stuff's, spurred on to share but i would say as far as feeling like you're not a part of the community or feeling outside of it or feeling excluded or feeling like an imposter um the things that i wish i had done differently when i look back on on my days playing music because the love for music did come first but then there was all the motivation for success for money this kind of competition, this cynical outlook, this, uh, this kind of thing, right? Um, 
as long as you are doing what you love, as long as you're putting the love for it first, then you, you can't be an imposter. If you're trying to be fake, if you're trying to do something solely for material gain, if all that you're concerned about is how popular you're going to be, and this is not just for RPGs, it's for anything, you're always going to be comparing yourself to someone else. You're always going to see somebody that can draw better than you, write better than you, put a book together better than you, play the drums like Phil Collins better than you. But if you're doing what you love, if it's authentically you, if you're creating something that you really like and are passionate about, you already love it. So you're not going to be comparing it to anybody else. And even if you did, you're still going to like it. And then you also protect yourself in some ways from criticism because it's kind of like no one's going to tell me the music I like sucks. I mean, I like it. So, you know what I mean? So no one's going to tell me. Believe me, I can t <laughs> I, I've got my own opinions about what I do. I trust my own opinions before I trust someone else's, right? I know when I fall short and I know uh, what I like about it, right? I know I'm getting off the subject a little bit and that some of this all might not sound like it ties together, but when I was reading about ideas of community, ideas of inclusion and exclusion, feeling like an imposter, the effect of money on scenes and communities, I just wanted to share my thoughts on it. And I think that at the end of the day, like I said, do what you love, be good to each other, don't put this petty stuff that doesn't matter first or you're never going to be happy and you're probably are never going to feel like you're actually part of a, of a community. And this being said, there are some amazing sub-communities I'm a part of out there that I've seen do things for people with such a selfless uh, nature in such a supportive way that it almost, uh, that it just restores your faith in what, what people can be like. How good it would be uh, for us all to be that way to each other, right? <laughs> uh, we'll see how it goes, but read this stuff. Go over to False Machine and read it. Read that Goblin Stomper Magic of Exclusion. Listen to Larry talk about imposter syndrome. Meditate on it. And just, you know, for your own sake, make sure you're doing what you love and you're you're being yourself. You're being real, right? Oh, man. Whew. Whenever I get done with these things, I was talking with Colin from Spike Pit. You definitely check out Spike Pit. Uh, another one of the celebrated, highly touted, Legendary OSR Anchorites. Um, man, I, I, I feel all just exhausted when I get done with these. It does take hours to do. because I'm, But e even then, it's also just a mental thing where you're just focusing. It's kind of like, I always feel this way after I run a game. It's like you're exhausted, but then you're up too. You can't sleep. You're, a little, you're just a little wired from it. Uh, I don't know how people, I was telling Colin, I don't know how people run like a game for six hours. I just can't, I just can't even imagine like these con games where people play for that long. Three hours is my limit. And I guess three hours is my limit on podcasting, but you know, I love doing this show. I love sharing this stuff. I hope that y'all enjoyed the show. In closing, there are a couple other things I wanted to talk about. One Skirples over at coinsandscrolls.blogspot.com has come up with a cool community idea on uh, this indefinite train where it's this uh, kind of mystical train beyond space and time where you can download this template and design your own train cars for this thing. So that is a cool community project uh, with... Uh, with Google Plus going away with so many community projects over there, I thought this one was something that you might want to check out. I got the link over on my blog. Speaking of other cool 
things you can submit to. The one-page dungeon contest is running. The deadline, I believe, is May 1st. So I'm working on one with my daughter. She came up with this killer idea um, and drew this awesome map. And so I will be submitting it in her name with help from Dad. Um, so I, if you've never submitted to it, I, did, I have once before. I knew there was no, no, no hint of a chance, no whiff of a chance I was going to win. But you submit to it anyway, you get in the book, and it's just something fun to participate in. And, uh, but, I mean, the level of talent some people have with the, the art and incorporating the maps and adventures together, it's, I've got every, uh, every, um, one-page dungeon compilation, and those are some some great things. So, um, anyway, be sure and, and check that out. Uh, no matter what game you play, you know, submit something for a game they they weren't expecting, or submit something if you've never done it before. You know, push yourself, do something. Uh, I've got the link over there for the one-page dungeon contest. Finally. I always want to mention James Smith's Dreams of Mythic Fantasy blog. Back as Patreon. You know, what I do is I'm really just picking out some highlights, stuff that I think will be interesting to talk about as well as share. And what James does is a much more comprehensive list. It's not just blog posts, but it's um, new um, products for sale, the Kickstarters. He's added some YouTube videos. So... Um, I always check out what James has got going on over there. I know from doing this how long it takes just doing the, I jokingly call it research, but it is research, finding all the stuff, compiling it and putting it together. Uh, so check that out if you like what he's doing back as Patreon. I got to say, I've got a couple of things up my sleeve that I'm working on. Not quite ready to say what it is yet. I don't know. At the same time, I don't want to build it up like too much hype, but I'm working on another little, little, uh, kind of product line sort of thing to add to the podcast and blog. So I uh, will keep you all posted with that. Uh, expect something on that soon. In the meantime, if you like what I do with the podcast, blog, whatever, and you want to support me in any way, Consider adding the Thought Eater blog to your blog roll or sharing my posts or podcasts with other people that you think might like it or just liking it on social media, whatever. A little bit of that goes a long way and I would much appreciate it. So if you like it, that's one way that you can uh, currently support what I'm doing. If you want to message me, if you're one of the legendary OSR anchorites or an aspiring anchorite, if you're on the Anchor app, you know, the cool thing about the Anchor app is it allows you to call in on different people's shows that do podcasts on Anchor. So if you want to join in the conversation, that's the cool thing about it. It's like being able to talk back and forth with each other. It adds a whole new dimension to the podcast. That's the cool thing about it. That and the community, right? The Anchorite community, that's a real community. That's support, I'm telling y'all. Um, so, you can message me on the Anchor app. Froth Soft, Froth S-O-F. The S-O-F stands for side of fries, but that's a story for another time. Frothsoft at gmail.com. Frothsoft on Twitter. Frothsoft, D-N-D dot blogspot dot com. Com, com, com.